0: I had a very wonderful child actor career until the financial crisis um, in 2008, which was a time in which Broadway was struggling and there weren't a ton of opportunities for somebody my age, never mind the fact that it's so hard to get opportunities uh, on Broadway. And so I didn't know what was going to be next. I thought I was going to have to move home. And I really experienced the riskiness of show business.
1: That's Sammy Gale, actress, producer, singer, and activist. I'm your host, Patrick McGuinness, and this is FOMO Sapiens. When the world's spinning out of control, it can be impossible to know what to do and what to miss out on. That's called FOMO, which is short for fear of missing out. How do I know? Because I coined the term and I'm the world's first FOMologist. And this is the show where I ask entrepreneurial thinkers, people I call FOMO sapiens, how they live and work with conviction no matter what life throws at them. FOMO. FOMO. Hey, everybody, welcome back to FOMO sapiens. I'm excited to be here this week with you. And I got to tell you something, if there's one thing I will miss about COVID, (laughs) it's actually something, not many things, but one thing, it's some of the Zoom events I've been able to go to. I have been lucky to be invited to some really cool events. I'm sure you have too. And I definitely think we're going to have Zoom events in the future. We're going to live in a little bit more of a world where we do online and offline more, I guess, in a synchronous way, I guess you could say. But it won't be the same, and I have to tell you, there's this really cool series of events that I've been going to that are thrown by a guy called John Levy, and John will be on the show later this season. He calls them influencer dinners, but now they're online, and he gets all these crazy people together and a bunch of people who have come on the show. I met through those dinners, including a recent guest, Dr. Emily Balchadis. So. Thanks, John. We'll be seeing you soon. Now, at one of those dinners, I actually met, well, it's no dinner. I mean, I was just sitting in my apartment, but I met a woman called Robin Bronk who runs the Creative Alliance, which is a group of people out in Hollywood and in New York and other places in the creative industries that, that actually lobby on the Hill for things that are important to creativity, like, for example, the National Endowment of the Arts. And at one of those events, I met a woman called Sammy Gale. And I didn't know Sammy's work, actually. She's uh, somebody who was unknown to me, but then I looked her up and she's done a bunch of cool stuff. And we were chatting a bit, and when she found out that I was an MBA, she asked me uh, to chat more about it offline. And so we ended up getting together on a Zoom, and I found out her life story and the things she does, and I asked her to come on the show because she is a total FOMO sapiens, and I really want you to meet her. Well, Sammy started her life as a child actress on Broadway and then joined the cast of Blue Bloods. That's on CBS. I think it's my parents' favorite show. Uh, she started in 2010 and she's been on the show ever since. And she actually plays the daughter of Bridget Moynihan, the actress who, as you remember, was married to Tom Brady. So in a sense, it's almost like Sammy is related to Tom Brady, which is pretty cool as a Patriots fan. She then went on to study at Columbia University in New York. She graduated in 2018. Now she's out there producing and acting. She's making films with her brother, including 2018's Candy Jar, which you can find on Netflix. But more than that, she is an actress, of course, and she's making movies, but she also is a very savvy investor, and I really like the way she thought about business. And so I wanted to have her on the show today to talk about diversification, you know, the arts. There's a lot of instability. She learned that early in life, and so she diversified herself. I want to talk about her investing strategy, and she has a really interesting tip for bookmarking stocks. And I want to talk about the themes that bring all the things she does together, because it's not random. She has a plan, and I think for any of us who want to do a lot of things and make it interesting and keep our lives interesting, Sammy's model is a good one. Now, I also want to start this episode with something new. I'm going to do something totally new, and I'm going to start this episode and keep it going in the future, and this is because I am really bad at asking for help. I'm terrible at it. I'm the guy who mentors a lot of people, but I never ask people for help, and so I want to fix that. So from now on, I'm going to, every week, ask you for one tiny little thing, and I'm going to call that my small ask, okay? So my small ask for today is to share this episode with somebody who would enjoy it and ask them to subscribe, Boom. Okay, done. Moving on. Now, see, it's a small ask, very small. (laughs) Now, let's get on to the interview. And to start the interview, as I mentioned, Sammy is a multi hyphenate. She is a true Fomo sapiens. And so I just wanted to start by asking her to list out all of the things that she does. Oh my
0: goodness. Well, first and foremost, I like to say I'm a professional empathizer, I am an actor. I am also a. Philanthropist, (laughs) I am a singer, I am an investor, I am a daughter, I am a sister, I am a friend. What else? You're political. Sorry?
1: You do things in the political world?
0: Yes. I, I hesitate to say that I am a politician. I think the stuff that I have done in the political world is political, but it's more like philanthropy.
1: Okay, gotcha. Also so,
0: say I'm an educator, given what I've done in the political world.
1: So those are a lot of things. And so what I want to start with is because I, I love that, by the way, and I think that's what a FOMO sapiens is. It's somebody who does a lot of things and manages to do them without completely losing it. Is there a theme like, when you think about the things you do and step back? 25 feet or maybe 10,000 feet? Like, what's the theme?
0: I think every one of my endeavors is about making a difference in the communities that I am a part of and that have given so much to me. And I think there are numerous ways through which I can do that. And I think life is too short not to pursue every single one of them.
1: Now, you started acting when you were a kid, right? So you, you've been doing this for a while. And I imagine when you were, you know, if we went back and asked you the same question 10 years ago when you were first starting on on Blue Bloods, you wouldn't have had 30 you know different things you were doing. You wouldn't have been investing and you maybe in you know, the philanthropy and some of those other areas you weren't doing at the time. So kind of take us through how you started branching out from, you know, okay, I'm an actor to, okay, I'm going to use this platform that I'm building to do all kinds of other stuff.
0: Absolutely. So I started as an actress on Broadway. I did a show called Gypsy and then a show called The Grinch. And I had a very wonderful child actor career until the financial crisis um, in 2008, which was a time in which Broadway was struggling And there weren't a ton of opportunities for somebody my age, never mind the fact that it's so hard to get opportunities uh, on Broadway. And so I didn't know what was going to be next. I thought I was going to have to move home. And I really experienced the riskiness of show business. And for me, my story, I was fortunate um, to have a very happy ending. I, pretty much the day before I was supposed to move back home to Florida, where I'm from, after having been in New York working for two and a half years, I was offered a role that would change my life. I co-starred in a film called Detachment with Adrian Brody and the last day of that film I auditioned and received the role that I've had in Blue Bloods for the last 11 years. So. Everything turned out okay, but I think that the riskiness of the business lived in me. It was not something I could forget, especially having experienced it at the same age that we learn languages, right? The experience we have at 11 years old are so formative for how we live our lives moving forward. And so I was constantly looking for ways to protect myself against the riskiness of even a successful opportunity like Blue Bloods. I understood that no matter how much success you have, things can happen. And so I diversified my portfolio, so to say, right? I I started looking for opportunities that could allow me upside and that could protect me from any downside of the main thing that i was doing and i had the luxury of being successful in those side projects because i had a stable job um, that allowed me not to incur all the risks associated with pursuing entrepreneurial endeavors when you don't have something else so i started um writing my own music i decided that i wasn't being offered As many of the types of roles that I wanted to play, I was very passionate about telling um, stories that might otherwise go unheard, amplifying voices that were underrepresented. And I wasn't seeing enough of that or I wasn't getting enough of those opportunities. So I decided, why not take it into my own hands? My brother was a brilliant writer. We teamed up and started producing our own content. So we made a movie with Netflix. We co-produced and I starred in called The Candy Jar with the help of a wonderful producer named Judy Cairo. And we have since uh, been developing two more films that are about to shoot this year. Uh, I got engaged in running a political campaign recently. Uh, My brother was running for supervisor of elections in Broward County. I helped him with that, putting together a coalition of 80 young people Across the United States um, to help people get signed up to vote by mail, should they like to be in Florida, where my brother was running, and to give young people an education with regards to what it means to run for office as a young person. So I have branched out in many different ways, uh, but I think the main reason why I did that was because I understood the riskiness of the business and I also wanted to find fulfillment that I wasn't getting from some of the projects that were offered to me. Certainly I was getting it from Blue Bloods, um, but not always some of the others.
1: Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with Netsuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you gotta do the math and save money. Good news: by popular demand, Netsuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to netsuite.com/fomo. That's netsuite.com/fomo. Netsuite.com/fomo. I'm really struck by your story, and I'll tell you why. Because people who you know know me know that 2008 was such a, a, a crucible moment in my life. I had been working on Wall Street. I thought, you know, this is the right path and it's the best path and I'm going to do really well. And of course, my employer AIG was nationalized. My stock fell 97%. And I realized like, whoa, the world is really risky. Like I'm working for a company that's one of the largest companies in the world. And overnight, it's like, on. And so, what is so insane to hear you say this is that in your own life, two thousand eight had its own sort of role in in provoking you to diversify. And so, it's, it is all about diversification. I believe in diversification, and and that's what I love about your story. And and what's I think also cool about about what you do is you know yeah you have diversified yourself in the world of arts and you you've gotten involved in politics, but you know, many people don't maybe not know about you. You know, you also went off and you studied at Columbia and you and you're like very active in in managing and investing the money you've been able to save as an actress. So I, I think for a lot of people you know, they don't realize necessarily when they think about people in the creative world, they think, okay, you know, you're an actor and then you hire a money manager and, you know, that's it, right? And, and I just watched the Britney Spears documentary where her, you know, she has all this money being managed by other people. You, um, you've not chosen that path. You've chosen to, to take a more active role. So talk about how you've actually sort of built out this kind of, this this investing side of, of the things that you do.
0: Yeah, so my father was always, telling me growing up that I needed to make my money work for me. Having seen all the riskiness of my business and having been blessed with success, it was my job to leverage that success, that financial success in every way that I could to, again, protect myself against a rainy day and to allow myself to be able to do all of these other things that I wanted to do so that I could make. I know you wrote a book called The 10% Entrepreneur so that I could make actual equity investments in things that I was passionate about. So, I guess around college was when I started to listen to dad. Fortunately, <laughs> I had amazing parents. Thanks, too.
1: dad, and mom. Spaved
0: all of my money. And who made my money work for me, even when I didn't know it was happening. Um, But then around college, they started bringing me more into the process, not because they didn't want to before. My dad always had me at every meeting, but just because I wasn't interested before. And I remember being at Columbia and I remember... Dating some people, honestly, who were investment clubs, who were in investment clubs at Columbia, very interested in investing, and I would see some of the research that they were reading, and I thought, why shouldn't I be doing this? I should be reading the research. I should be active. And my dad says to me, "You know, I've been telling you this for years, um, but but I decided to get active, and so I sat down with my financial advisor." and we looked at how I could diversify my finances in the same way that I had diversified my career. And I got very passionate about and very interested in reading about different companies, how they were going to advance different causes, what the um, ethical policies of different companies were. I, I just, I don't know, had had an affinity for it that I never thought I would, but that I have continued to um, use throughout the years to make my success grow. And as a result of that, I've been able to develop an EP um, by myself that I have financed by myself. I've been able to develop other projects that I might not have been able to without the resources um, to do so. So, it's been a very fruitful endeavor for me.
1: It's fantastic. And and I think what's great about it is people have stereotypes about, about people in the arts that like they're incapable of thinking like business people. In fact, you've proven them wrong. I'm curious, as you educated yourself, because, you know, you came in a little later than some people might and you didn't go to work on Wall Street or, you know, you you, you, you hadn't done those things. Um what were the most valuable, you know, for people listening, perhaps to say they want to do that too. What were the most valuable things you did to learn how to make smart investments?
0: No one knows anything.
1: <laughs> okay. unpack that for me. I like that. <laughs>
0: um, I think that whole world is sort of elusive, right? People mm-hmm. don't think that they should invest because they're um, scared that they don't have you know, access to the right resources, or they're scared that they're going to lose their money and in investment, which is a totally valid concern, because that happens often. Um, but the reality is, if you watch um, videos on investing, if you read books, one book that I really liked was called Stocks uh, for the Long Run, which, you um, basically discusses how while stocks go up and down in the short term over the long term, they generally go up. Don't take my word for it. That's just a trend. Who knows if it will continue to be the case. Um, But the point is, no one can predict anything. The markets are irrational. People try to do it, but things always change. And As a result of that, while you could say that's scary, it's also comforting because that means that one person's information is not any different from my information, is not any different from someone else's. People know how to play the game better than other people do. And as a result of that, you know, they're successful as financial advisors, but that sort of idea that some people understand the market and other people don't is false because the market is irrational. So For me, what I've been doing is just cost averaging. Um, So I buy a little bit all the time. Uh, Methodically, it doesn't matter if the market is up or down. That means that when the market is down, I'm getting stock. That means that when the market is up, I'm getting stock. And over time, I've seen that lead to um, a good return. Uh, But I think I had to first understand that no one has... You know, the golden ball with all the information in it um, to get over the fear of getting into the market and, and starting to learn about different types of investments that I could be making.
1: Yeah. And you started small. I think this, you know, the the cost averaging is a really good point. Sometimes when we think about investing, even if you're starting with a little bit of money and one of the things that's great about some of the new uh, some of the new apps and companies out there is they're allowing people to start investing with small amounts of money. Just to try it. Put a toe in the water and see what you think. And then it goes up. And so, you know, you didn't go out on day one and put all your money into some, you know, penny stock, of course. You you started (laughs) slow and maybe over time as you get some gains, it's kinda like going to the casino. It's like I'm that guy who, when I, when I make money, I, by the way, I bet like five bucks, but I put the money and then when I get up like 20 bucks, I take 10 off and I put it in my pocket. And so I'm constantly pulling money out so that I have my little reserve that I can play with. And maybe I'll, you know, bet on, on roulette or something crazy like that. And so, you know, I think for anybody who wants to excessively get into investing starting small, learning, recognizing that stock stock picking is something where you'll learn as you go along and you need to do the work and also surround yourself with people who have some experience that can help you out. It makes a lot of sense. Now, Sammy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I will say, I will say my financial advisor, he always jokes with me um, because I'll talk to him for an hour about a company and then I'll say, okay, let's buy three shares. Huh? Of a company that's, that's you know, like $20 a share or something. But you know what? That is the way, right? One other tip I will interject in here is I love to buy companies in very small quantities just so that I see them in my account every day, right? Just so that when I read reports and when I read research, I'm looking out for the letters of the name of the company. And as I read more research, I'll build up the position over time, over months, over years, This is not something that I do immediately, but it's been fruitful for me to do it that way. And I'll let people make fun of me because when you look at the return um, as a result of that type of investment, it's good. And also, as you say, you know, you don't put a large amount of your money into the stock market or or any one thing at all. You have to diversify.
1: So I, I, I like that a lot. I've never heard that idea before, but it's sort of like bookmarking. Is what you're doing. You're bookmarking stuff to come back to it later. And the thing is, if you don't like investing, by the way, I don't love public market investing. I give my money to somebody, they invest for me. I buy things here and there, but I do put on my calendar every week a reminder to think about these issues so that I just, once a week, I'm reminded, like, you should be thinking about your investments because otherwise, you know, I'm a FOMO sapiens, I'm doing a thousand things, I'm not going to remember. And so it's important to like just be a little a little thoughtful about making sure that I mean this is important, right? Getting your money to work for you. Your dad is so right.
0: Well, especially because my career, you have a job, but the next day you might not have a job and you might not have a job for the next 10 years. So if you're in a luxurious enough position to have some money in a very volatile career path. It's your job, I think, to, to, to make that work for you and to also be able to give it back to others. So much of what I do, as I said, is is philanthropy. How can I make the world a better place? I've been given this platform, this opportunity. I better do something good with it. It's not about making money just for myself. You've got to give back.
1: Tudo bem, meus queridos sapiens Now, that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages, but I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled dot lcom slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now you just mentioned platform, which is I, I, something interesting about you and my research, you know, I do my research. I, I was checking out your Instagram and you only started Instagram in 2019
0: last year. Yeah, which yeah. is
1: <laughs> which is which is really interesting. And I, I can't no. imagine it's because you didn't know about Instagram. You made a choice. No, there. I
0: knew. I knew. I knew. So
1: you made a choice not to do it and then you made a choice to do it. So tell us about that.
0: So I have just never been a social media person. I live a very private life aside from the public nature of my job. And I've also unfortunately dealt with a lot of stalker situations that have made me pretty averse to social media. However, I I do think that we are in a moment where celebrities have platforms through which they can achieve a lot of good, um, through which they can bring people together in support of amazing causes um, just by using the internet, right? We no longer have to uh, reach people by knocking on door. Not that, that that's what we do in political uh, endeavors, not necessarily <laughs> like celebrities, um, but we can now reach people to rally troops toward great causes um, via social media, via something so easy. And I think... That's really why I joined. Um, I wanted to use my voice to make an impact, to effectuate social change, to raise awareness about my brother's campaign because I was so passionate about the work he was doing, um, expanding access to voting in South Florida. And that was a great way to do that. Um, so that's really why I joined. Now I love to use the platform to like enhance... Uh, my fans sense of community, both with me and also with each other. I, I love to talk to the amazing people who are responsible for my career, right? My career relies on viewership, relies on people who watch every single week. And social media to me is the way that I can do a tiny bit to say thank you, a tiny bit to give back to them.
1: Now, are you going to stay just on Instagram? Or are you tempted to join all the Clubhouse and the TikToks? Because no, it's an arms race.
0: I got an invite to Clubhouse and and I haven't joined it yet because I don't know anything about it, but I was going to watch. I saw there was a webinar um, through my, my agency that I can learn more about Clubhouse through. But I do have Twitter. I've had Twitter for many years, but I, I, I haven't been using it too often i I like i think one platform is way more than i can handle
1: (laughs) yeah no i agree listen we can talk about clubhouse i i've been i'm not i don't want to get into it now but i've been dabbling a little bit in it and the problem is it's like okay you spend all this time on one thing and and then it's like all right then tiktok comes around you're like well do i am i supposed to do that like and that's a whole thing and then then clubhouse comes around and so you could like literally just spend your life building followings on social media and it would be very tiring, and but then you see, I had a friend in New York, uh, Walter Masterson's his name, and he's become this huge TikTok guy out of nowhere. He makes these really amazing videos, and in the space, like during the last year, he went from like he's an actor. He was you know as an actor, a working actor, to actually being like a guy who people know and has, you know, a platform and it's all political stuff. So you see that and you're like, well, maybe I could do that on Clubhouse and maybe I should sign up. And then all of a sudden, you know, eight hours later, you've asked 16 people to do Clubhouses with you so you can get out of control a little bit. So
0: <laughs> and you also, you know, learn about so many different businesses on these yeah. social media apps as well. And I've really enjoyed getting to support those too.
1: So, Sammy, I want to ask you, you know, you you've done a lot of things. You... Have found that you enjoy the business world, but you're also an actor and you've created some movies and and so you're you're in that world as well. So let's fast forward 10 years. Now, are you gonna be running your own asset management company or, <laughs> <laughs> or are you gonna be in showbiz? What do you I mean, what you do you what do you want do to do and what are the choices that you think you'll make to get there?
0: That's a very loaded question. Again, I will say the most important thing to me is that I am using my platform to effectuate social change and to make a difference in the communities that I am a part of. I have lately been very focused on building a production company with my brother. My brother writes and I co-produce and act in the movies And those movies are concentrated on amplifying voices that would otherwise go unheard. I think that is what I am most passionate about doing in the future. I want to continue to be an actor, but I also want to continue to produce content that means something to me. And I think the easiest way to do that, especially with a brother who is such a talented writer is to produce the content myself to become a content creator. 10 years down the line, I would love to produce other people's projects, to act in other people's projects, and to branch out our business so that we are producing documentaries, so that we are producing things even like fashion lines that all align with our mission. So I think 10 years down the line, Hopefully we will be helping other people represent underrepresented stories in whatever ways they find um, most fitting for them. As I said, I I really think that people get too stuck in doing one thing and using one route in order to effectuate the type of impact that they want to have and I think that there are just so many, you know, uh, on the one hand you could use a film to change how we view an issue in the world and on another hand, you know, you could run for office and start making laws to effectuate that change and I think they're both equally valid paths, equally impactful paths and that the same person can can do them all. I mean, I watched my brother do it, right? Like my brother's gonna probably run for office again someday when the right thing comes along um and he's also an attorney and he's also a screenwriter and he's thriving at all of it so again like this pandemic has shown us how fragile life is let's make the most of it
1: love it all the slashes <laughs> do you think about it all this is like uh, uh,
0: i'm I, I, so so one other thing I will say yeah. is um, I am really passionate about continuing the work that I was doing with my brother to um, expand voter education and to expand access to voting, not just in Florida, but nationwide. Um, and I really hope that in the next 10 years, I will also be able to put together a less temporary coalition of people to continue to do
1: that work. You don't just have to do one thing. You just have to think carefully before you decide what to do. Uh, everybody, you're going to want to watch this space. Sammy is going places, uh, to keep up with her and all of her adventures. You can follow her at Sammy Gale, where she might also give you some stock tips and you can buy a couple of shares of these companies.
0: (laughs) please, Disclaimer, do not listen to any of my financial advice. My number one rule is I do things myself, but don't want anybody else listening to what I have to say, because I don't want to be to blame.
1: All right. All right. Well, anyway, go to Sam uh on Instagram. Uh San Miguel, thanks a lot for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: FOMO. Big news. We now have a brand new website. So head over to FOMOSapiens.com, where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. Also, head over to Spotify, where you can find and follow playlists of the best of the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you, so don't be shy. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstro. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com.